without even knowing it, I just kind of gave you an interlude into my message tonight because we're going to continue on what I kind of started last week. And um, I want to continue in the vein of kingdom expectation. Kingdom expectation. Let me give you a couple phrases that we went over last week uh, that may help you in catching up where we're going tonight. Last week we made this statement. We said a lack of recognition breeds a lack of expectation. A lack of recognition breeds a lack of expectation. I cannot expect you to do something if I don't recognize who you are. It's our ability to identify and recognize when God moves in our lives that helps us expect him to do something. Okay? I don't know about you, but I'm in situations almost every single day where I need God to move. (laughs) It may be big things, it may be small things, but I need God to move. It may be a conversation that I'm having with someone and I don't know the words to give you, but Holy Spirit, you need to illuminate me. You need to bring back some things to my remembrance. I may need God to move financially. I may need God to move in my body, physically. I mean, you don't know. I may need God to move in my mind, in my spirit. But a lack of recognition breeds a lack of expectation. And we took a look at a woman, a Samaritan woman that Jesus came across that had no recognition for who Jesus was. Therefore, she had no expectation for what he had. If I don't, if I don't identify who you are, I can't expect what you have. But over the course of a conversation, the blinders came off. Remember, we started with sight. Sight. And Jesus even said, do not be one that has ears but doesn't hear. Don't be one that has eyes but doesn't see. How dangerous that is. And even though that, those statements sound so contrary, those, that doesn't make sense. I have ears, but I don't hear. I have eyes, but I don't see. What are ears and eyes? They help us perceive. They, they give us an identification of something. You know, Jesus said this in John chapter 10. My sheep, the sheep know the shepherd's voice. Not his appearance. Not what he looks like. The, sh- the sheep know the shepherd's voice. Well, anybody who's a parent understands that your children know your voice. They don't even have to see you. You can be in the other room and shout out their name. And how you say their name determines their expectation of what they're about to receive. And then if you throw a middle name in there, we just stepped it up, went to a whole new level. This is going down right now. I just stuck in your middle name. Right? By the voice. What does that do? It helps them recognize something. So now, because of the recognition, there's an identification. There's an expectation 
that can take place. So we don't want to have ears and not hear. We don't want to have eyes and not see. We also said this. We don't miss God because he's not moving. We miss God because we aren't looking. Basically, the tangent that I'm wanting to go on, the direction I'm wanting to flow in, is in the matter of not perceiving God in our everyday life. Not seeing God, not recognizing God move in our everyday life. Everybody in this room, we just said it, gets in situations where you need God to move. But my question to you is, are those predetermined situations? What I mean is, is are there situations in your life that you feel you can do on your own? I don't need God in this one. But then you need him to step up in the big stuff. Like when the deadline is today. I need to pay the bill today. I am out of gas today. I need a word of the Lord today. I need healing in my body today. And on a daily basis, God is moving. And what I'm afraid of is we're missing God in the big moments because we're not identifying him in the small moments. This past week, uh, I have had the opportunity to participate along with many others in this room and many other of my friends and people that I know in a challenge called the Ice Bucket Challenge. And the whole purpose of the challenge, even though some of us may have forgotten why we were dumping freezing cold water over our bodies with ice chunks hitting us in the face, is to raise awareness of a disease in our nation and around the world called ALS. Now, to be honest with you, up until this disease, or up until this challenge, I did not know of ALS. But I did know of Lou Gehrig's disease because I'm a big baseball fan. Did I know the ins and outs of Lou Gehrig's disease? In fact, I was talking with my wife and uh, she was like, why do they call it Lou Gehrig's disease? I said, because of Lou Gehrig. And she said, who's Lou Gehrig? I said, we're not having this conversation right now. Please, Holy Spirit, constrain me right now. You don't even know who who Gehrig is. Come on. And some of you may not, but we're not going to have that conversation. Just go Google it, Wikipedia it or whatever. But I knew about the disease, but obviously I, I didn't know the fact that it's underfunded. They don't have a cure for it. They don't know what causes it. Okay, all these different things that have come up in the last week. Information. Why? Because of some silly challenge that simply raises awareness. Now, you know, anybody who knows me, I'm not one to over-spiritualize things. I'm not the one you're going to go to lunch with or go to dinner with. I'm not the typical pastor, I guess. I don't know. That you will feel awkward because I just over-spiritualize everything and want to talk about Bible verses. We'll talk about God, but I can have normal conversations, too. Okay, just want you to know that. Um, And anybody that knows me on that type of basis knows that. But through this challenge and through the past week, I have had a thought running in my mind. 
um, because I do believe the Bible. And this message and what I'm preaching, like I said last week, I am preaching to myself and you're just getting to listen. Because the things that I'm seeing in the Word as I study this out more and more is begging the question in my life, do I really believe the Bible? And through this challenge, we're raising awareness of a disease. And the thought that keeps running in my mind is, are people aware of the one who can cure them of the disease? Now, you know, some people may think that's insensitive and you're just over-spiritualizing it. And do you, this is a real disease, this is what they're really living by. But even those responses put me in the vein of what this message is all about. The fact that we have made more of a reality of the world that we live in rather than the world we came from. And if I had to set a goal, an expectation, because this is a series now, uh, at about 20 minutes into my message last week, I realized this is a series. (laughs) We're not, getting, we're not getting through this tonight. And, and there's just so much. I, I have a whole note thing in my phone that's just loaded down with stuff that, different areas that I want to go and veins that I want to hit on throughout this. Um, but we've got to have an expectation. But our expectation is not determined by what we see or what we live in on a daily basis. And what I want to do is I want to challenge us. Not to be over-spiritual people, but to just be spiritual people. Because in the end, when it all matters, you're a spirit being. That's who you really are. And you're wrapped in flesh, and we are wrapped in a world that appeals to the flesh, and speaks to the flesh, and appeases the flesh. But in the end, when it's all said and done, your flesh will decay, wither away, and go back to the dust where it came from. And your spirit is what is going to remain alive. And what I have come to find out uh, in my short time, my short walk with God, and I say short because in 120 years, 31 years is only a quarter of that, I've come to realize that it's the spirit on the inside that really determines everything. And do I want to live being affected by everything, or do I want to live a life affecting everything? Do I want to live a life for however long God has me on this earth, or however long he tarries, just being moved by everything around me, or do I want to change everything around me? What's my expectation? What do I expect God to really do in my life? You know, there's things that all of us in this room, we deal with and battle with on a daily basis. And we don't even realize it. Every morning, the first thing I have to do when I get out of bed is I have to find a pair of glasses. Hopefully they're on the nightstand right next to me. Because if they're not, it's going to be a rough time getting around in a dark room being able to hardly see anything. And I have to spend probably about three minutes, two to three minutes, putting contacts in my eyes and getting them to fit just right and making sure there's 
not a tiny little piece of hair on them from a towel that I just dried my hands off of. And if they're not in there just right, I have to pull it back in, pull it back out. I have to squirt some solution on it, rub it around, hope that it's off and try again. This is my morning. It's become such a daily ritual that I don't even realize that there is a problem with my eyesight that Jesus took a beating, stripes on his back, to cure. I told you, I'm preaching to myself. There are things that are being identified in my life. Now, am I weak? Am am I less of a spiritual person because I have to wear glasses? Absolutely not. But the question is there. Did God take care of healing? Yes or no? I have to be confronted with that question. There might be things you're allergic to in food. There might be uh, handicaps or inhibitions. There might be things in your past, the way that you grew up, things that you have to deal with, that you battle on a daily basis and nobody knows about. Maybe your spouse doesn't even know. I'm challenging some stuff through this message. And I hope that you'll hear me out. I hope that you'll stay with me and not check out and say, man, don't, don't talk about my problem. Don't talk about my issue. I hope that you'll stay connected. This isn't for condemnation. I don't feel condemned because I, I wear glasses. It's just a matter of me getting in a posture of saying, you know what? I'm sick and tired of living against the reality of the kingdom. That's just me. But there's an expectation. And the matter of the fact is, is the expectation is determined by my ability to recognize God moving in my life. Not just in the big moments. I've got to recognize him in the small. I've got to recognize him on a daily basis. Look at 1 Kings chapter 19. We're going to talk about raising awareness tonight. It fits in the midst of everything that's going on with social media, in the midst of everything that, you know, is, is happening. I mean, there are celebrities doing this thing. There are some famous people getting dunked in ice. There are some people taking on this challenge that you think they would never so reserve. They would never do something like that. We're talking about raising awareness. I want to raise awareness for the kingdom of God. I want you to become aware of what you're in on a daily basis and we don't even realize it. But our ability to recognize determines our ability to expect. 1 Kings chapter 19, let me get there. 1 Kings chapter 19, some of you have heard this before. There's some things that we want to pull out of it. We're going to start with verse 11. Then he said, God, uh, go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord. 
And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great strong wind tore into the mountains and broke the rocks in pieces before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still, small voice. So we have a wind, an earthquake, and a fire. All three of those are natural occurrences. And either you can see it, or you can see the effect of it. The earthquake, you can't see an earthquake, but you see the effect of it. Wind, you can't see the wind, but you see the effect of it. Fire, you can see fire, and you can see the effect of fire. You can see what it changes. Fire never touches something without not changing it. An earthquake never touches something without changing it. Wind never touches something without changing it. Something moves. Something is shifted from where it was before to where it is after the occurrence takes place. There's a moving. There's a shifting. There's a changing. But then the last one he mentions is a still Small voice. A still small voice. You cannot see a still small voice. But can we see the effect of a still small voice? Now I see, you know, heads nodding. But the effect of the still small voice is in our responsibility. The still small voice is my responsibility to change based upon what the voice has spoken. Could we be getting still small voices and not be changing, not be affected by the still small voice? Now, you know, we talk about a wind strong enough to break rocks on a mountain. That's a wind. Okay. That's not the little South Georgia breeze that we get every now and then. That is a wind that can move stuff. An earthquake, a fire, but then we have a still small voice. Are we missing God in the still small voice because we're looking for the wind, the quake, and the fire? Are we missing God in the stillness because we're looking for the greatness? When we look for God only to move in the spectacular, we miss him in the gentleness. We miss him in the small. In essence, like I had just stated, we predetermine how God's going to move. We predetermine. We, we think ahead and, and we already have an idea of what we want to see. In fact, what we're saying is, God, if you're going to move in my life, this is how you have to move. It may be based upon how he moved before. It may be based upon how you've heard others uh, experience him. It may be based upon what you've just heard in church or even through your family. But when it's all said and done, God is going to move however he wants to move. And if we only look for him to move in the way we want him to move, we miss him when he moves the way he wants to move. 
we can't stick God in our box of how he's going to shape our destiny and how he's going to, uh, you know, uh, make an entrance into our situation. Believe in God for finances. And so we're expecting some large check in the mail or someone to just give us a large. So maybe it's a course of people over a week. Helping you out. Maybe it's somebody calling and saying we're canceling a debt. You know, if you need gasoline in your car. Well, there's a few ways we can meet that need. I can give you fifty dollars and you can go down to the gas tank and put about a quarter of a tank in. Maybe a little more. Or I can say, hey, let's run down to the gas station and I'll fill your tank up. We can't put God in a box of how he wants to move, how he wants to meet the need. God wants to change things in our life. God wants us to experience him. God wants us to recognize him. But sometimes our ability to recognize him is our ability to open our eyes to see everything, not just we want, what we want to see. See, when Jesus made that statement, you have eyes but you don't see, he said this, he said, men of old have, wanted, have longed to see what you're seeing right now and never saw it. Now, I'll tell you this, Jesus had to make that statement because when he preached, not everybody saw. The Old Testament proclaimed Jesus as a king, the one that was going to come and deliver them from people, from bondage, from slavery, from being under the subordination of others. Going to free his people. So instead of showing up in a palace, he ends up in a manger that animals eat out of. His parents don't even can't even find a place to stay the night he's born. And they miss it. Why? Because he didn't come the way they wanted him to come. They miss the Messiah standing right in front of them. They miss even the miracles. See, you, you can miss God even when he's moving and still not recognize it because you have your blinders on, because you have things on that you can't even identify that what is happening is of God. You kill the Son of God Because you expect him to look like what you think he should look like. We have to learn to recognize God when he moves. Many times, it's not the circumstance that needs to change. It's us that needs to change. Many times... We're looking for God to move in a situation, to change the situation, when really we're the ones that need the help. We're the ones that need the change on the inside. 
I believe through these messages that God wants to change the way we experience him. God wants us to change the expectation of how he's going to move in our lives. Look at Proverbs chapter 3. We've all seen this verse. But there's one word in this verse that I think that we've missed. I know I have. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5. We've seen it. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all, everyone say all, in all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. This verse tells us to recognize God in all of our ways, not some of our ways. Not in the ways that we want to acknowledge him in. Acknowledge God in all your ways and he will direct your path. Acknowledge God. I'm just going to keep saying it. Acknowledge God in all your ways. Could you acknowledge God? While you're taking a shower. Could you acknowledge God while you're eating breakfast? Could you acknowledge God on the drive to work? Could you acknowledge God when things break? Could you acknowledge God when things are fixed? Can you acknowledge God all the time? Well, this verse tells us to, and God wouldn't tell us to do something we couldn't do. So apparently it's possible to trust in God, acknowledge Him in everything that we do. But once again, we predetermine. We determine what God is in and what God is not in. God had no part of that. Well, maybe you didn't have any part of that because you didn't give Him any part of that. But maybe God wants to be acknowledged in all our ways. This is a daily reoccurrence. This is acknowledging him probably far more than we would care to admit that we do. Acknowledge simply means to identify, to recognize. Acknowledge also means this, to permit, to allow. Permit God to move in all your ways. Allow God to operate in your life in every circumstance. Not just in the ones that we deem we really need him in. Not just the ones that we think, okay, this one I can't do. God, you got to help me. Acknowledge God. You know, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, I think I mentioned this last week, when he was talking about do not worry, do not worry, do not worry, do not be anxious, be anxious for nothing. What did he tell them to look at? 
He didn't tell them to look at the fire, the earthquake, and the wind. He didn't tell them to look at all these great miracles. He said to look at flowers and birds. What am I trying to point? I'm trying to help us recognize that God is around us way more than we give him credit for. God is doing way more in our lives than we give him credit for. God is in operation. We can look out the window right now and see God in operation. Now, some of us may see something and some of us may not, but I see grass, I see bushes. I see sky. I see clouds. Everything that is seen was created by him and for him, Colossians says. That's all there for him. He put it all there. I can look around this room and I see God. I acknowledge God in every individual in this room. Why? Because God placed you here. And you were placed here by him and for him. Acknowledge God in all your ways. Then he will direct your paths. See, we just want to direct your paths without the acknowledgement in the path. I want to acknowledge him in everything that I do. Look at Psalms chapter 46. While you're turning there, I want to read Proverbs chapter 3 to you in the message. It says, trust God from the bottom of your heart. Don't try to figure everything out on your own. Look at this. Listen for God's voice in everything you do. Now, listening takes work. Listening requires you to put to, to be in a position of quietness. It's very difficult to listen when you're talking. Very difficult to listen when you're not quiet. You might hear, but it doesn't say hear God's voice. It says listen for God's voice. Listening means it is my responsibility to go get it. Hearing is not always your responsibility. I can hear stuff. Sometimes I can hear stuff I don't want to hear. But listening means I have to go get it. I'm putting myself in a position of I'm shutting down so I can hear, listen for what's being said. Listen for God's voice in everything you do and everywhere you go. He's the one who will keep you on track. Maybe our paths aren't as directed as we would like them to be because we didn't hear him tell us where to go. Maybe we ended up somewhere he didn't tell us to be. But when we acknowledge, we recognize, we identify, and we allow God in all of our ways, you can be assured you'll end up where he wants you to be. Psalms chapter 46, verse 10. says, be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. Be still 
and know. Well, that's what we're talking about. Knowing. Be still and know that I am God. Look at this in the Amplified. Watch how this breaks it down. Let be and be still. Let be and be still and know, what's that first word? Recognize and understand that I am God. Recognizing God comes in the stillness. Well, what's the opposite of stillness? Busyness. Busyness. That's the word we're all familiar with. And so this verse tells me this indirectly. It directly tells me if I'm still, I'll know God. And I'll recognize when he moves. And I'll understand what he's saying. But the opposite of that is busyness in our lives can inhibit our ability to recognize when God moves. Busyness. The inability to be still can hinder my ability to recognize God. Could I be missing God because I'm looking in the wrong place? We're raising awareness tonight. We're raising awareness tonight. We're raising awareness that there's a king, there's a God, there's a Lord in your life, and he wants to have... He wants to be a part of your life, honestly, more than we let him. He really does. Now, you know, when, when I was growing up, there were people that wanted to pray about what color pants to wear and what kind of cereal to eat. You know, really, God's not really concerned if you eat Cocoa Puffs or Fruit Loops. It doesn't really matter. But what I am saying is that God is always speaking. Are we always listening? God is always moving. Are we always seeing? You know, our culture, our, I mean, this has just got me looking at so much stuff, recognizing so many things. Our culture is so far away from quietness, it's unreal. It, it, it hurts people. And this is something that I'm just going to train my son to do. Because in this day and age, it hurts people to sit still and not do or look at anything. Something has always got to be going. If you're not watching TV, you're on your phone. If you're not on your phone, you're listening to music. If you're not listening to music, you're in conversation with somebody. And many of us have mastered the ability to do all of those at the same time. I know I'm right. You don't have to say amen or tell me preach on. I'll I'll keep preaching because it's the truth. And in all of it, we're missing opportunities to shut down and hear God. And then we wonder. 
why we're clueless. Then we wonder why we're confused. Then we wonder why we're not getting answers. Then we wonder why we're not seeing God move in our lives. You know, in that passage that I read in 1 Kings, that was Elijah. Elijah was in a moment of despair. Elijah's life was on the line. They were killing all the prophets. Why? Because they didn't want to hear God anymore. So let's just get rid of the messenger. Don't kill the messenger. Well, they decide, let's kill the messenger. We can't get rid of God, so we'll just kill the messenger that keeps telling us stuff that God's saying. So Elijah, being a prophet, knows, I'm next. And he's getting away. He's getting away, and God has to get him quiet. God puts him up in a cave, in a cliff. And he shows them these different moments, the fire, the earthquake, the wind, and then speaks in the still small voice. And that's where the direction came. And from there, he begins to give Elijah an outline, assignments, gave him three particular assignments of what to do to continue his course. His life was on the line. Had he not heard the still small voice, would he have been able to finish his purpose? You know, sometimes we think, you know, we're vulnerable. We, life can't get to me. I'm a child of the king. I'm the son of God. You know, the, the you know, world's not going to hurt me. But you, there's some damage that it can do when you're outside of where God wants you to be. And we have to develop better recognition. And our ability to identify and recognize when God's moving, when God's speaking, when God's doing something helps me to expect something from him. Look, some of us in this room, our expectation of what God can do has been hindered because of our recognition. The expectation of when God can move and how he can move and what he's able to do has been inhibited because... I haven't been recognizing him. The better I can recognize him, the more I can expect from him. The better I can identify God when he moves in the small things, the more I will expect him to move in the great things. Some of you just need to recognize the times that God is moving in your life, even in the smallest things. Just the word here and there. Just the Holy Spirit calming you in in an anxious moment. Every time we overlook those things, every time we bypass those things, every time we miss those things, it hurts us the next time he moves. It desensitizes us to a true move of God. And quit calling opportunities where God moves Luck. Quit saying you got lucky. Quit saying it was just a coincidence. Wow, what a coincidence. It just ran into you. I, I needed to see you today. It wasn't a coincidence. Give God the glory. Well, that's over-spiritualizing. I don't want to be one of those crazy spiritual people. It's okay to say, thank God I ran into you today. It's okay to say, praise God, they, they took $7 off of my phone bill this month. 
It's okay to say that. It's okay to acknowledge that God is moving on a daily basis. Don't wait for him to cure you of cancer and, and take care of a million-dollar bill and, and, and bring your business out of, uh, you know, out of the bottom. Don't wait for him to do the great thing and miss the small things he's doing on a daily basis. Start looking at the flowers and start thanking him for the flowers. Start thanking him that he cares more about you than the flower and the way that it looks. He knows every hair on your head. That's the God that we serve. That's the God that loves us unconditionally. That's the God that cares more about you than anything else he has created. You are his greatest prize. You are his greatest passion. We've got to start recognizing him in the daily small things. And I promise you, as you do, you'll see him move in large ways. You'll see... You know, we, we want to categorize God. We want to categorize moves of God. We want to categorize when he operates in our life and if it was big, if it was small. I mean, think about it. Some people have a trouble with this when it comes to sin. There are some people, you've got such, you've got such a, a, a dirty past. There, there's things that have gone on in your life. We, there's no way you would share it. But then there's some of us, you know, we've, we've done all right. We've stayed away from a lot of things that other people have done. We've stayed away from addictions. We've stayed away from bad, bad friends. We, we finished school. We did our, there's something, and, and I don't categorize the stuff that I haven't done, and compare it to the things you have done. Because one sin was enough to send me to hell. And the fact that I was born into sin, and all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. God doesn't categorize. God doesn't categorize sin. Sin is sin. God doesn't categorize problems. He can whip them all, big ones and small ones. And he doesn't categorize them. He doesn't say, well, that's a small one, so we'll do this with it. And we'll categorize this one. This is a big one, so you're really going to need me to step in to just get out of the way. We do that stuff. We're the ones distinguishing what's a move of God and what's not a move of God. We're the ones that determine if this was a miracle or if I did this on my own. And you know what that has caused? It has hindered our ability to properly distinguish a miracle. We call things miracles that aren't miracles, and then we miss the true miracles because we call them happenstance. This is the stuff I'm trying to get us to become aware of. We're raising awareness that God is with us. God is everywhere. God is everywhere. So we've got to stop living like he's nowhere. Why are we worried? Why are we concerned? You know, when I did the message on peace, I started out, worry is temporary. Atheism. Oh, man. God, I worried today. These things, they, they wake us up. They challenge the conventional thinking. 
They can they, they challenge. See, some of us have never even had our mentality challenged. You cannot renew what you don't confront. We're comfortable with just living church, living as a Christian, never really being challenged. You know, there are people overseas right now that are being challenged for their faith. I've never had to do that. I've never had someone look at me and say, denounce God, I'm taking your life. Never had that. But it begs the question, if I was challenged to my faith, to the core of who I am and what I believe, how would I stand? There's a challenge that must take place, God. I'm renewing my mind every day. There is nothing in here that I believe today that I'm unwilling to change if I see it in the Word of God. I don't care what my mom told me. I don't care what my previous pastors told me. If it's in the Word, I'm renewing my mind to the Word. But that only comes from confrontation. That only comes because I challenge the thinking. I challenge the thought process. The books that I read, they've got question marks in them. Because I don't just read a book and look at the author and say, oh man, this guy's great, and then just take it all as truth. No, I challenge it. Is that in the Word? Where did you find that in the Word? Can you back it up? I don't care about your experience. I don't care what happened to your grandma. I care about what the Word says. That's the most important. When I stand before Him, I'm going to give a testimony of my faith, my belief in the Word. Grandma's not going to save me. My mom's not going to save me. My pastors aren't going to save me. It's because I believe His Word. And that is the truth. And the truth sets you free. That's where truth is. Father, I thank you tonight. I thank you that you stir us up. You challenge us. Not with a questioning motive. Not with a questioning attitude of, oh, is that really true? Because we know your word is truth. Not in a motive that causes us to second guess what we really believe and are we really saved that's not the motivation the motivation is to put us in a posture of remaining teachable to your word if I saw it another way in your word would I be able to change Father, tonight we want to become more aware of your presence. We want to become more aware of you. We want to become more aware of your moving in our life. In every moment, every opportunity, every conversation. Father, as we do that, I know that we will set a better expectation because we have better recognition of who you are. I want you to do this with me if you would. You can look up. I received
received a phone call today. Many of you know that we have been standing for my friend, Pastor Jason Sides, and his wife, Katie. Their son, Levi, was born at 23 weeks back in April. And through divine intervention, not coincidence, I just happened to hear about the story and give him a phone call. Just happened to grow up in San Antonio, Texas. Through divine intervention, God had been setting this up for 31 years. And I was able to reconnect with Him when my wife and I went through the same exact scenario. And they've been standing and believing. Levi's been growing, Levi's been eating, been getting stronger. But yesterday they received a right side of his brain is not developing as it should. And it's possibly going to hinder motor skills, walking, talking, eating, whatever else. And uh, he called me today and asked that I'd pray. I prayed with him right there on the phone, but you guys have been there with us through this. I've been keeping y'all updated. They have fought and fought and fought. You know, the Word tells us in Ephesians chapter 6 to stand. And when you've done all to stand, stand. When you've done all to stand, don't sit. So we're going to continue to stand. We're going to continue to fight. And many times the battle against the enemy is not just about winning. It's about outlasting him. Will you last longer in your faith? than he does in the attack. Because we know this, we have the victory. It's already been done. Jesus already has paid that price. It's been taken care of. Now it's a matter of, will we stand on the word? Do we believe this? Is this real to us? And this is where reality hits. This is where it comes home. Do I believe that the MRI that they ran today will come back with a test that the brain is fully developed and right where it needs to be? aligned with the Word of God. Do we believe that? This is where it comes. So I'm going to ask you to stand and I want you to stand up. I want you to grab the hand of the person next to you, all across. If you're not near someone, get near someone. We're going to touch and agree where two or more pray in the name of Jesus. It shall be done, his word says. Do I believe that? All things are possible to him who believes. Do I believe that? We're questioning this today. Is the word true? Do I believe it? And can I see it come to pass? This is where we're at. A life is on the line. Father, right now we touch and agree in the name of Jesus, the name that is above all other names. Everything has to bow at the name of Jesus. And so, Father, we thank you right now that you created Levi. You put him in this earth for a mighty purpose and destiny. And I don't care what day he was born and how far gestationally he was when he came out. I thank you that you can sustain life. You are the giver of life. 
And so, Father, we believe in your word. Right now, we stand in agreement. Where one can put a thousand, two will put ten thousand. And I thank you, Father, that power is made available right now in the name of Jesus. We call ministering angels into that NICU room right now. I thank you for spiritual wisdom and understanding beyond any degree, beyond any doctrine, beyond any schooling that touches this baby right now in the name of Jesus. And it will be called a miracle. It will not be called a coincidence. It will not be called luck. Well, you just got lucky. No, we will call it a miracle and give you all the glory. And we'll give you all the praise. And we thank you for answering this prayer right now in the name of Jesus. We set ourselves in a posture of thankfulness to glorify you, to honor you, because you are the King of Kings. You created that baby. You put that body and that life together. And I thank you that you can cause it to develop and come into alignment according to your word. I thank you for wholeness. No disease, no sickness has any place in this body. I call it 100%. Every organ, every cell, every atom, every vessel, every thing within this baby comes into alignment according to your word. And we accept no other answer. There are no other options. You came to bring life and life more abundantly. You can do above all that we ask or think exceedingly above all we ask or think. You have caused us to be more than conquerors through Christ Jesus. We will triumph over sickness and disease. We will triumph over the devil. You are well able to bring us through. You are well able to see us through. I lift up pastors Jason and Katie right now in the name of Jesus. I thank you that peace, the peace of God that surpasses all understanding, that it guards their heart and it guards their mind. I thank you that they remain in a posture of peace, not anxiety. A posture of joy with an outcome an expectation of a desired outcome that you grant their request. They're not moved. They're not shaken. Their faith is lifted up right now where they're, wherever they're at. I thank you that you send them a word in due season. Surround them with your love. In an unpeaceful situation, I thank you that you surround them with peace. In an unjoyful situation, I thank you that you surround them. The joy of the Lord is their 
strength. When they feel like they cannot keep going, I thank you that joy shows up, strengthens them, undergirds them, upholds them. Lean not on your own understanding, but trust in the Lord. Acknowledge Him in all of our ways. Father, we thank you for this tonight. We are in agreement that your word is true and that your word will come to pass. And we will see a testimony. We will see greatness. In the name of Jesus.